Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Dean Rogers here with me tonight. And if you are a football fan, you probably know Dean already. He used to play for the San Diego Chargers. And uh, you had for forgive me, Dean, but I'm not sure what position, if that's even. Yeah, that, that plays into the whole story. I used to be a tight end in college and running back in high school, but they, the Chargers actually switched up positions on me and moved me to fullback, which is ultimately why I decided to stop playing football. Because in terms of a life expectancy, I saw the formula quickly change from tight end to fullback on how long I'd be on this earth. That was pretty much all of the reason why I decided to stop playing football for the Chargers. NFL, that's a very aspirational thing. Was real estate always on your radar or how did you, how did you find your way to real estate investing? Yeah. The only way real estate was on my radar and maybe why I ended up deciding to get into real estate after the NFL was the late night infomercials from Dean Graciosi. There wasn't all the information with YouTube and everything that's out there now that, and all the HGTV shows that were making the real estate investing side sexy. It was love it or list it. I remember sitting in a living room with my parents as a teenager watching that. So I had an interest in real estate, but not really from the investment side because I I didn't necessarily understand it. My parents had some rentals growing up. So maybe it's subliminally influenced my decision to get into real estate. But yeah, when I got into the NFL, it was everything that I wanted and dreamed of in terms of what it was like to be there. Imagine this, you're being, you're a young adult who plays video games all the time and Madden NFL happens to be one of the video games you play all the time. And now you're literally sitting four lockers away around, away from Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates. And now you're around like your superheroes. So that was an amazing experience. But to spare all the story of what, what that experience was like, ultimately, like I said, decided to hang up my cleats because although I was playing great, felt great, and North Turner was telling me I was going to have a long career, I I just had this sick gut feeling that told me, man, if I continue to play this position that they moved me to, I'm going to be a vegetable. And it's going to be pretty soon that I'm a vegetable too. Walked away from the game and moved on and started in the corporate world from a good college buddy of mine who plugged me right into the company and basically walked me in the front door. And that seemed, hey, when I grow up, life after football, right? Think of what I was like before I got in football. I know there's going to be a life after football. That corporate job seemed like it was going to be exactly what I wanted. And it took a year of working my butt off there to realize the big payday, I would assume, would come with the big amount of effort and the hard work I did, right? Just coming off of a seven-figure contract from the San Diego Chargers, and now I'm on a $65,000 salary, I'd expect they saw my potential. They're going to give me this big payday, and it didn't come. And it really opened up my eyes like, whoa, this is the slow path to financial freedom, and I want to get back there as soon as possible. So I maybe thought about it for just a couple of days or maybe even a week and realized I remember 
real estate being something I was passionate about. I'll just Google how to get started in real estate. And there I was finding Sean Terry's Flip to Freedom podcast and listening to the audio. There wasn't even visual to it. And here I am listening to this and thinking, this is it. This is my vehicle to get me back to financial freedom and abundance and being able to provide for my family. So that's how I got started in real estate and just dove head in from there. It sounds like you went through a lot in a very compressed amount of time. A lot of people the first go to into, a, <laughs> but it's true. especially the, the nine to five job. You went in there for about a year. A lot of people will spend their entire life not realizing that it's more of a trap than anything else. Yeah. I love that you say that because I recognize reflecting back on it, that I made a lot of really big life decisions in a short period of time. And I did it without really second guessing myself. And each time I did it, I took such massive action and just put a hundred percent of my effort into it. It surprises me because I can be an analytical person and kind of analysis paralysis on some things like shopping for a pair of pants. I might take six months to buy a pair of pants, but when it comes to the decisions that I made, I made them so quickly and with such commitment to it. But yeah, I just saw the writing on the wall of taking control of my freedom and that I needed something that would reward my, my, my effort. And real estate 100% is an amazing vehicle with almost zero barrier to entry. And, and you might hear people say it takes money to make money. Yeah, but it might be someone else's money. It doesn't necessarily have to be your money. And so those are some of the quick little insights I got by just listening to Sean Terry's free podcast and it lit up my excitement and I just dove right into it, became obsessed. As humans, we're wired to react to pain versus seeking out pleasure in a certain way. Unless you've established your why to the point that it becomes a driving force. In your case, you men mentioned that you had this gut-wrenching experience trying to make a decision regarding your future football career. Yeah. Was talk about going through that process. What do you typically go through to make that final decision that you had to make a change? It was pretty it was the hardest decision I've ever made to this date, but I again did it so quickly because I knew it wasn't really a question of did I really like this? Was I passionate about it? Was it what I expected? Was I going to see success? Like all those were yeses, right? They checked all the boxes. It was amazing. The lifestyle that it provided, the access to resources, connections, and just the spotlight that you get on you and, and that opens all these doors was insane. But there was this looming thing that I could not get rid of. And it was about my, my, my health and the fact that I would even go back after practices and ice my head because that's how much it was affecting me because uh, that's something out of control, right? There's people that hit their head against the wall and don't feel anything. And then after a certain period of time, uh, some people, they really start to feel it. And so for me, I just noticed how I was feeling and the danger around it. So for me, I stepped away from it and uh, man, it was a hard decision, but how did I go through it? It wasn't. It really wasn't that complicated for me. It was just a matter of, can I continue doing this? Not do I want to continue doing it? Because heck yeah, I did. 
but can I continue doing it? And physically, I just knew I couldn't from the neck up. From the neck down, it felt amazing. From the neck up, basically my brain, it was just like, yeah, this isn't going to work. So I just want to remind everybody, Dean mentioned in his last section there that a lot of resources available. And I wanted to point out that Dean has a lot of resources available on his website. So head over to deanrogers.com for that information. And you can follow along because based on what I know of Dean, he's done everything. He's already brought up the flipping, but he also does wholesaling and a variety of other real estate investing strategies. So again, it's deanrogers.com to get there. But Dean, I'd be curious, you'd have to, you obviously started at a very young age to be a football player and then eventually go into the NFL. There was, there's a level of mindset, determination, and drive that frankly, I don't think people see what you probably went through to become an NFL football player. To yeah, begin not, with, and how that eventually is helping you now with the real estate investing. Yeah, I think I love this topic because a lot of people are entrepreneurs. So they want the results of being an entrepreneur. They want the results of being a professional athlete. But boy, do they not realize the amount of effort, sacrifice, and discipline you have to have. And for me, I think that was, and maybe still is, my superpower. I'm willing and able to show up every single day and put in the work and the effort. And that's hard for most people because most people are just, oh, I'm having a bad day or today I'm sick. In sports, I learned if I wanted to get the results I wanted, which equaled playing time, which equaled being highlighted as the player to get the ball. I wanted to play the game with my friends and then all that kind of stuff growing up through sports, I had to show up. And my parents, I think, really helped me to understand the importance of it doesn't matter if you're having an off day, like this is what you committed to and you got to show up and do it. So I think that's been my superpower throughout playing through injuries, playing when you're sick. Like I remember playing against Boise State in college and having a sinus infection and like trying to take a bunch of meds the night before to clear my sinuses and not being able to breathe. I had to mouth breathe the whole game, playing with injuries all throughout my career. And that's just part of the game. So I think to boil it down to one thing that I've been reflecting on and seeing, because there's so much great information and little video clips or memes or stuff that kind of like highlight what is it about entrepreneurs that allow them to make it. And somebody said it recently that I feel like resonates the most with me and it's discipline. What's the one distinguishing thing that sets people apart and it's discipline. And so from a sports background, that's what it was for me. And it's the same thing definitely now because it's the discipline to show up and put in the work and get the work done. We just had an escrow. We closed today. Okay. It's going to turn into a six figure deal. Okay. It's going to be anywhere from a hundred to $125,000 net profit at the end of the day. And that deal, we closed it in 24 hours. We bought the property in 24 hours from the bubble. We opened up escrow. The way we made that possible was being extremely diligent and proactive with everything, with calling escrow ahead of time and telling them what we needed to do, what the expectations were, 
And just going through all those things, we went the extra mile to get the results. And we were able to do that through preparation and experience and consistency that we continue to put in. And so I think that just flashed back. What was it that allowed me to reach that level of making it to the NFL? It was that I was there training four to six hours a day with other guys who aspire to go to the NFL. And I was working on my speed and agility and weightlifting and catching passes and just being willing to show up every day and not just hanging out at home, eating potato chips and playing video games. Yeah, that's an interesting thing that you bring up there. That's a great example of being the sum of those people you hang out with the most. You're competing at a very high level in the NFL. How is it important now when you're in real estate investing to be around like-minded individuals like that? Yeah, it's the exact same thing. So I think what really helped me later on before I made it to the NFL in college was getting around those other people, seeing that I was like them, right? And I had the same aspirations and now I'm working out with them and training it. And now they're pushing me beyond maybe where I thought my skills were at or needed to be, right? And and maybe even realizing like, hey, you know what? I can, I am amongst peers. I do belong here. And I think that same thing translates to real estate and that the beliefs that you have, the opportunities that are available, the potential you feel and understand is available is greatly going to be influenced by the people around you. So if your influence, your share of people is scared to spend $10 on buying lunch or they're afraid to spend a couple hundred bucks to learn some information or whatever it is, then you might feel and think the same way. But instead, I'm choosing to surround myself around people who really want to go after a big and I'm finding out they're spending tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars on education and being around the right people. And now that's that's eye-opening. Oh, I can fast track and get ahead if I'm just around these other people and learn new information and open up these doors. And so I think that's something I've experienced. And part of why we're in the same mastermind is wanting to be around people like you, right? People that are thinking big are pushing the limits and want to be around other people like me and others that we know as well. So I think that has been over the past several years, instrumental in my company's growth. Because for years, when I first started, I was heads down, me against the world. I'm going to get this stuff figured out. It's got to be on my back, my shoulders. But once once I started networking and really expanding my my, my circle of people in my local market, now, instead of these people being competitors that I only knew about, I realized, wow, there's all these opportunities for us to work together and we can think of each other as partners. That in itself has brought way more revenue to our business. It's allowed us to grow our team. And now I'm getting on the phone with people like you and others and learning new skills, adding new elements to our business that's helping it grow and get better and um, yeah, it's just, it completely is a shift on who you're around and then helping you to, to expand the way that you think. One of the things that you mentioned earlier, and there was a lot to unpack there, but one of the things you mentioned earlier was your parents telling you at a young age regarding commitment. And I'm going to guess that also would lead to accountability. You mentioned discipline earlier, but I would have to think that the commitment lesson that was taught to you at a very young age is really something that probably instilled that level of discipline. 
Yeah, I think a lot of what you learn and what your environment is when you're a lot younger is going to help impact. My my parents were both entrepreneurs, and so I got to see what that was like. I saw the challenges. I saw the ups. Well, we're doing great, and we're going on family vacations in Europe. And I saw, holy crap, this thing happened in the economy, or this thing happened in, in the business, and now things are tough, things are tight, and and we need to control our spending, right? So I saw what that was like and saw going in on Saturdays to be at the office with dad while he was doing some extra accounting work or doing something like that. And what it was like for them to have to take care of their office that they had employees and maybe show up to to help clean up or do something like that or whatever it was. Right. And so I think being around that environment and seeing the work ethic firsthand with it also being talked about, maybe not extensively, It's not like we were in front of a whiteboard and, hey, Dean, this is how you run a business. We didn't do any of that. But it was just like those small conversations as we worked through life at a young age. I think I saw a lot of that. And it was just understood that if you want to get results, like you got to show up, you got to stay committed to it. And that was just part of the deal. It sounded like there was kids in the background there for a second. What lessons did, have you carried forward then? And what are you teaching your kids? Well, to keep them quiet, you give them heavy doses of, no. Yeah, the kids, I got a six-year-old, four-year-old, and a one-and-a-half-year-old, and one cooking in the oven. It's interesting at this age right now, because they are sponges, I think there's certainly concepts that they they do understand and some that they don't. I had a good time a couple months ago. What's funny, I'm a virtual investor. So really what my kids understand physically seeing is the dad's in his office. Like I'm in the studio now. It just looks like I'm doing nothing, but standing in front of a computer and slapping it around and talking on the phone. doesn't seem that interesting from their perspective probably, but occasionally we'll go into uh, the market that I invest, which is where I grew up. And I've driven them around and showed them houses. And they're like, you own this house? What's going on here? So it's pretty fun to have that opportunity to talk to them about that. And just over the next couple of years, I think is going to be a very big opportunity to share a lot of that. And I think one of the big things that I didn't get, whether it was intentional or unintentional, I'm not sure, I'm going to ask my parents about it, but we didn't really talk about money. And I think the intent behind it was that really wasn't something I needed to be concerned with, right? Whether we had a lot of money or not a lot of money, like, I didn't need to worry about that. I needed to be a kid, but right. As an adult, maybe I wanted to know a little bit more, like how to manage money and what is the expectations of what a lot of money is or isn't. And so I feel like I got a little bit of dose of that. So I think as a parent now, one of the things I want to really teach my kids is the understanding of money and having control of it rather than it having control of you. Because so many people out there are controlled by money and they're, they're, they're burdened by the consumer debt that they've created for themselves, which in most cases, not all, in most cases is their own fault and their own doing. There are some obscure situations that come up medically or whatever else, right, that, that kind of happen. But that's the big thing that I want to pass on to my kids is the understanding of money and how to manage it and have control of it rather than it have control over you. Dean, do you go through the process of training others to do what you're doing? Yeah. So I have a coaching program I just launched within the past couple months that have students in already, and it's called the Wholesaling Playbook. And its whole focus 
is around wholesaling, which is applicable to all real estate investing. But the whole coaching program itself is focused on how to basically replicate our seven-figure business. How can you market direct to sellers? How do you analyze a deal? How do you negotiate with them? How do you set up a CRM that's going to help you in your business, make sure leads aren't followed through? How do you have the right systems and processes? How do you build out a team? All the different aspects that you need to understand if you want to build a consistent business that can produce a great lifestyle for you. I can't, I can't stress that enough. Finding somebody who's already been there, done that. One of the taglines of this show, Dean, is that you can either put in the 10,000 hours and become an expert or learn from somebody who's already done it. That's the bottom line. So take advantage of what Dean is offering there. Head over to deanrogers.com. I believe it's towards the bottom of the page where he talks a little bit more about that playbook. Earlier, you mentioned about abundance and that abundance mindset, essentially. I'm rewording it there, but working with people within your markets. And it's interesting when you're dealing with some other real estate investors, how unique that can actually be. They want to hold on to everything. And there's this level of competition. So when you go into a situation with this abundance mindset, it's almost unexpected, (laughs) to say the least. Yeah. How have you found that uh, you mentioned how it, it's helped your business, but could you talk to a little bit about that concept? Yeah. I love to talk about it because although I was thinking abundantly of the way I wanted my life to be, I don't think I truly practiced the abundance mindset with the networking aspects as I should have when I first started. When I first started, like I said, I was dealt with the chargers, started in the corporate world, moved to San Francisco and was virtually investing at that time as well in in Central California. And so it was tougher to also be face-to-face and really build these meaningful relationships at the time. But at the same time, I wasn't really seeking it out. I was really mostly focused on marketing direct to seller, didn't really want people to know what I was doing deals, found my business partner, and met some people through him, but again, stayed in my lane and we started doing flips and all that fun stuff and wanted to be the man, the the Wizard of Oz, kind of wanted to be the guy behind the curtain that everybody knew about, but didn't really know. And what I didn't realize is, wow, I was really missing out on the opportunity to meet these people and see how I could help them, right? And that's where the abundance mindset comes in is if you actually help people, and do that without necessarily an ask, then that is going to be reciprocated and come full circle. The universe just makes it happen to whether it's that same person or someone else, that energy is going to come back as you're giving and you're going to end up getting as well. And so once I started doing that, everything changed. And that happened just in the past two and a half years, almost three years now, or really emphasized on, okay, enough people know about us and understand our reputation about doing flips and doing deals and wholesaling deals, buying rentals. They knew of us, but I really wanted to make it different and put a lot more value into other people and give, test out the abundance mindset. So we started a meetup, started posting more on social media about the deals we were doing and how we could help other people on deals. Let us know if you have questions. 
people started coming to us asking, what do you think about this? Hey, I'm having trouble with this and started helping these people. And all of a sudden it started to snowball from there and deals started to pile up from other people. So we're turning to half of our business, half of our business turning to, to JV wholesale deals and some of our picks and flips as well. And I started to post on social media, man, I love doing deals with friends, right? And I would take a screenshot of the PayPal transfer for $20,000 that I sent to somebody or, or the wire that I sent to somebody and, and spotlighting that. And then I ended up branding it and calling it friends with benefits. I had a little fun with it and said, you know what? Hey, this is, this is what it's like to do deals with us. We consider you guys friends with benefits. We'll be friends with benefits. So we made t-shirts out of it and stuff like that. So you earn a shirt if you do a deal with us. And in the meantime, you're in the friend zone, right? You haven't really become friends with benefits. But so we have fun with that. We have people that are now wanting to earn t-shirts, right? That are taking pictures with their shirts. And it just has really transformed our business to being like really known in our market and being established and understood as people who get deals done, right? Go to them if you want to get a deal done. And, and then, like I said, just that reciprocation of people coming to us, I get text messages every single day now of people asking if we could help them on a deal or even just asking for help. That's happening every day now. And it's certainly become a blessing. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that regarding social media and with that abundance mindset, I've had people mention that they're, they don't understand why their social media isn't growing. And you go there and all they're doing is posting a link to their website here and there. It's that overabundance of sharing information. And it's not, I've even had one person even mention that they don't really like to be doing that bragging, but it's not bragging. You're providing value to the, to your followers. And until they get that mindset, right, their social media isn't going to grow. Yeah. I think that's a really key point you made there. It's, understanding that there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. I personally don't like to do the big flashy things of the bragging sense, but I like to share what we're doing, like sharing about deal we just closed and and what we were able to do on it and the challenges we had to go through and giving people inspiration that, hey, I can see you're doing it. You're telling me how you're working through it. You're sharing that it's not just you that's special and you have just the magic touch, like you have challenges too. And oh, by the way, if you can solve these problems, they can turn into big paydays. And so by people seeing that and then also giving back to answering questions and helping and as people are responding to you, responding back, just that kind of, uh, those connection points are just what help build those relationships. Dean, I hope you'll consider coming back because I think that we could spend an entire another episode talking about virtual wholesaling, but could you give everybody a bit of a little taste from your playbook regarding if somebody was looking into virtual wholesaling for the very first time, where should they start? Yeah. Where should you start? It to me is all about marketing, all about marketing. If you could understand how to market, you can be behind a computer. You don't have to physically be there. All of it can be done behind a computer, getting the right things set up so that your marketing goes out and your phone rings. For me, there's lots of other strategies that I could have implemented around driving for dollars or knocking, doing door knocking and 
putting out band and signs and stuff like that. But for me, I understood early from Sean Terry's podcast that he mentioned he wanted his phone to read. He wanted it to mount, right? He didn't want to be chasing leads. He wanted leads coming to him. And for me, that resonated. Wow, that does sound really good. I don't want to be chasing the leads and doing all that. Although that might be good for some people. It might be the best option for them when they're getting started based on resources or time availability. But for me, even though my time availability was low, I knew that I didn't want to be, and I couldn't be because I was virtual, out there on the streets. So for me, it was all about direct to seller marketing. And so that's the biggest place for someone to get started is to understand that and to implement it and then start to layer the other pieces of having a CRM set up so that you're not having leads fall through the cracks and you're running your business efficiently rather than a chicken with your head cut off and writing notes on paper, being disorganized. Those are all different things that take steps to it. But without question, the marketing is the biggest aspect for starting and growing your business. I have to ask, what CRM are you using right now for your real estate investing business? It's funny you ask. I'm using Resimply. Resimply, which if you look up Resimply, if you go to resimply.com forward slash Dean, you'll see what the CRM is all about, what it does. You can get a live demo from them. I'm on their advisory board because I'm a geek and a nerd. She'll go crazy about CRMs and what it has done for our business. And it's insanely powerful. If you got the right CRM, it makes a huge impact on your business. And, and for me, I used Google Sheets for years, for six years of investing. And I've been in it three, nine years now. For six years, I used Google Sheets because I was terrified of getting lost in the customization nightmare of Podio. And so I ran away from it and tried to implement it twice, but I ran away from it. Um, Sounds familiar. I tried yeah. to do the same. Yeah. And so for me, I ended up finding Resimply and I geek out on, on it constantly and just the, what it can do now, what the level of innovation they continue to put into it is just, is unmatched to anything else I've seen. And I would check out resimply.com forward slash Dean and get a demo, check it out, see if it's a good fit for you and you'll be happy you did. Yeah. I appreciate the plug on that. I haven't, I've been looking at different CRMs myself lately again, and I haven't been very happy with what we've been using for a while. But uh, and offline because I can't talk enough about it, how excited mm -hmm. I am and all that it does. You'll be so, happy. So again, to remind everybody, DeanRogers.com. And uh, but before I let you go, Dean, I have some rapid fire questions for you if you're up. Let's do it. Bring it on. So first of all, you mentioned the late night infomercials, but you need to right now bust one real estate investing myth. I need to bust one. Okay. I'd go back to the one I said, you need money to make money. Yeah. It's one of those things too, though, that first deal is the, always the hardest, but there's a switch that occurs that as yes. soon as you're, you do it that first time, you'll be surprised how frequently it starts to happen on a regular basis. So it's like one of those things that you get in your own way. Like until yeah, you believe it's possible, that's when it becomes possible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What book would you recommend? Or what are you reading right now? You, you might not like me. You might, you might end this podcast right now if I say it, but I actually 
love the idea of reading, but I don't read. I don't <laughs> read. I like to watch videos and information that people have. Podcasts. Alex Hermosi is the hot new kid on the block. Love, love listening to his stuff because it's like super value driven and straight to the point. So I'd say anything Alex Hermosi is what I would point people to now, but I've got books sitting over there. They're all really good books, whether they've been gifted to me or I bought it myself. And I've sat down, I've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read, oh gosh, what's the networking one that everybody loves to talk about? I have to go look which one it is. But anyways, the, oh, it's actually the one from Family Mastermind. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure which one that is as well, but I'm drawing, I, drawing a blank on it. But anyways, it's so when you were, I thought I was going to guess which one you were going to say because the way you were talking about your abundance mindset and everything like that, I thought you were going to say Go Giver. If you, okay. Go Giver is such a great book. Yeah, I know of it. I know of what are the principles of it, but I haven't read it. And most of the people that I talk to, Dean, when I say reading, most of them always go to audiobooks or podcasts. They're on the move so much to sit down and actually read something is is really unheard of these days. <laughs> yeah, because I always have my headphones in like this. I'm always moving around throughout the day, listening to stuff or talking to people. And so I, I receive a lot of information in a day, but you get me to try to sit down and read a book, which to me sounds so romantic and I love the idea of it. When I do it, I'm either falling asleep or getting a thousand distractions. So it drives me nuts to try to do it. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. And certain books don't grab you like others. Like I recently got through the book, it's called Traction. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a great book and it's a legendary book. And especially for entrepreneurs, the EOS system and everything. But frankly, it took me a long time to get through that. <laughs> so what is the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Oh, man. I got to take these mental notes down or write them down. Best business advice. I have to think on that hard to think like what the actual thing was said, but it would probably be about everything around networking and actually giving value to others, having the abundance mindset rather than just keeping it for yourself. I think right. that's probably been the biggest thing. Yeah. Based on what you've been talking about here tonight, I, that I'm, that's pretty obvious. It sounds like that's really made a huge impact. What is the biggest real estate investing mistake you've made and what did you learn from it? I'll pause back, go to last question. Hey, my good buddy Stratton Brown is the one who pushed me into content and doing podcasts like this and having my own show and going on other people's shows. So I'm going to give a shout out to Stratton Brown. He's the one that pushed me off the ledge to do that. And it was so obvious for me to do it because I love talking about this stuff and have a lot to share, but it wasn't until he eliminated my objections and the roadblocks I had up mentally and forced me to do it until I saw it be possible. So I'd say that's probably the best, the best help from a friend there. Sure. Yeah. yeah best that's awesome. Okay. What was the next question? What's the biggest real estate investing mistake you've uh, made and what did you learn from it? Okay. Yeah. So the biggest mistake I've made to date is get straight to the punchline is losing $187,000. Okay. That's the biggest mistake I made. Now, the way it happened in the Cliff Notes version was someone within my community of trusted people, okay, within my close network, within my market, was doing deals with other people. 
and seemingly was going okay. Even though the person was a little on the gray area side, seemed he's still in the community, he's still a good person, and he's doing deals with other people, so it must be fine. And that he presented an opportunity to come in on a deal to do the deal. And he had everything in place ready for the deal to take off day one of me buying into the deal. And as soon as I bought into the deal, it ended up being a disaster. Like everything that appeared to be in place was actually a lie. He was just a sociopathic liar and sick down to the core. And all that started to unravel soon after I got into this deal. A, a year, a little over a year after of finally getting out of the deal, literally nothing had happened. Not It was a ground up construction deal. Not one piece of dirt had moved and $187,000 after I'm out that money. And uh, the biggest lesson I learned, Jack, was sometimes all it takes to avoid a mistake is one extra phone call. One extra phone call. And so the biggest advice, if you're doing a deal that you understand, like the deal that I just closed in 24 hours, and it's going to net us six figures, right? And be amazing is something that I did with extreme confidence and performed with perfection because I understood it. I knew what I was doing. I understood the deal through and through, not one bit of doubt in my mind. However, this other deal, I didn't have confidence. I relied on the other person and trusted and gave faith that they were going to have my best interests. When in reality, it just happened to be the worst person maybe on earth that I knew at the time that I could have possibly trusted. And so I should have made the extra phone call because there were other people involved that were understood to, to make this transaction come to place. I could have called the architect. I could have called the civil engineer. I could have called the hard money lender. All these people that were in place that were explained to me that this was done, that was done, this person's on board. I would have just made one phone call to one of those people. They would have spilled the beans. Oh, this is a disaster. And uh, that person owes me money. That with one phone call would have saved me a lot of pain. We have a similar story on that. I'll have to tell you sometime on uh, off air, but with all of that, DeanRogers.com. But before I let you go, Dean, and I warned you it was coming, is there a question or concept you wish we would have covered here tonight? Oh, man. Yeah, I'd say we touched on it before we started, which is all the health stuff. Coming from sports, obviously, to perform at a high level, you got to take care of yourself and eat good. And the NFL, like, that was one of the biggest things was the nutrition. Like, basically, an on-staff chef right in front of you at all times and you could eat whenever you wanted and it was all good quality and all the best nutrition and everything, all the physical therapy, all that kind of stuff. So felt amazing and knew that was a lifestyle I wanted to live. So I'd say in, in my life today, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. I've never done drugs. There was a period of time where I drank something, but I could count on one time, one hand, but amount of times I've been drunk, but I don't do any of that stuff because I, I want to live a really long, healthy life. And I want to be wrestling with my kids till I'm old and playing bat, pick up basketball until I'm into my later years and doing all that kind of stuff. And now don't get me wrong. I still will pound some ice cream. If you get ice cream around me and, and it's the kind of ice cream I like, I'm taking it down. But generally speaking, all the food that we eat is all the grass fed, grass finished beef, 
and organic this and that, like all the stuff that's grown at from farmers that are doing it the right way, taking care of things so that we're getting the right nutrition for our body. So that's something that me and my wife are passionate about and making sure that we're doing that for ourselves and for our kids as well, so that we can be healthy through real medicine, which is food rather than artificial medicine that people create. And uh, in most of which actually poisons your body. Yeah. That's something that we love to, to focus on. Yeah. I, that's interesting. You say that. one of the grass fed and grass finished beef, we made relationships we're building our network. We're all about networking. We built our network to include some of the local farmers. So we get most of our beef and everything directly from the farmers here. Beautiful. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I went on a, a vegetarian diet for all of six months, very strict. It didn't have one piece of meat. And it was to the one night I watched this documentary called Game Changers. Have you heard of it? Oh yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> so I watched it and I woke up the next day telling my wife, I said, I'm going vegetarian. Now, granted, I still had eggs and honey and stuff. So I wasn't a vegan and had some dairy cheese, but I was full blown vegetarian from that day forward for six months. And I didn't feel any different, not one bit different because I was already eating healthy. But the whole idea that you get from Game Changers is, you know what? A lot of people with health issues are having it because of how processed the meats are, right? Mm -hmm. And, oh, by the way, if you want to say that pasture-raised grass-fed cows, which is natural and how they should be fed, is the way to do it. It's actually environmentally very dangerous and hazardous to our environment. That's the leading cause for all the climate issues, not actually gas. So I'm like, whoa, mind blown coming out of this documentary. I'm mm -hmm. changing the way I live my life. So I went through that. And then my wife was kind of like, she was super on board. She actually said, I told you so, we should be doing this. And so we kept going along. And then because there's so much information out there, we started following some other people that were heavy on being meat eaters, but eating the right meats. It had to be the right type of meat from local farmers, pasture grass-fed, all that kind of stuff. And so it was like, you know what, we need to start eating meat again. And so I looked into it. I heard enough what I needed to hear. And for me, the light bulb went off. You know what? I put these creatures here for a reason. And this is nutritional to us. There's all this, all these nutritional benefits to us, blah, 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 blah. Oh, by the way, most of the vegetarian diet food itself is so intensely processed to make and taste good. So you right. think you're moving away from one process to something pure, when in fact, a lot of that is impure and super processed itself. You're actually maybe even hurting yourself more. So for me, it was like, all right, I'm going back to this way, but I'm only doing it if I eat the right way. No more taco stand, taco, junk meat type of stuff. And uh, yeah, we've been eating that way ever since. And feel amazing. It's interesting because when I watched that, I was deep into keto. I did keto for a solid year, like 365. I, I, I couldn't feel any better. I lost a ton of weight and yeah. everything associated with it. And then, so when I watched Ga Game Changers, my mindset was completely different. I was just like, it was a constant total eye roll the entire time for me <laughs> because I was so into 
Dr. Chen, and there was a bunch of books I had consumed, The Big Fat Surprise, and a bunch of stuff. So it's interesting how you took it and versus I took it. We were in just such completely different mindsets at that moment. Unfortunately, I've always struggled with the concept that even though I was disciplined to stay on it for 365, even through holidays, family holidays, I was hardcore, stayed on keto, falling off of that. Even though you know how well you feel on it, it's just still not enough to keep it as a lifestyle. Yeah, I I don't know enough about keto. I'd have to probably be reminded, but I understand your body has to get in ketosis state, which requires eating a certain way, and then your body feeds off the fat and all that kind of stuff, and that's how you can stay really lean. But I'd imagine at some point in time, it's hard with life to stay on it and be so committed. So that's that I think is really important to know is you got to find what works for your life and that is also good for it too. One last time, deanrogers.com. Dean, I this was a great conversation. And like I said, you're welcome back anytime. I hope you'll take me up on that. Let's do it. <laughs> if you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing, if so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.